Hallelujah. Well, we're going to have some tiger meat today. Amen? Hallelujah. Today, let's, talk, let's turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Today, we're going to talk about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Let's turn to uh, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall, uh, shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. Now, even though we as New Testament believers, uh, we've been delivered from the power of darkness, we still live in a world that's influenced by Satan. And the name of Jesus is a weapon that's been given for us to use. We're going to look at some uh, a number of scriptures here to begin with to lay a foundation. Let's uh, turn to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Um, verse... I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now underline this phrase. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. If God's word was not good, the name would have no power. If the word of God was not good, the name would have no power. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. And, and the greatness, we're going to look at the name of Jesus, and the greatness of the name of Jesus is threefold. Hebrews 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person 
and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Verse 4 tells us that Jesus inherited his name from God. Jesus inherited his name from God. He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name. The power in his name can only be measured by the power of God. The power in the name of Jesus can only be measured by the power of God that's behind that name. Amen? Amen. Now, Philippians, turn back to the left a few pages to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. One translation says uh, beings in heaven, beings in earth, and beings under the earth. So number two, his name was conferred upon him by the Father. Jesus conferred upon, Je uh, God conferred the name of Jesus upon him, and uh, that name is above every other name. And verse 11 says, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus inherited his name from God. God conferred it upon him. Now look back, just uh, turn the page to the right, a couple of pages, Colossians 2. Colossians 2, 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. This is talking about Jesus' defeat of, of Satan. So Jesus also achieved the authority of his name by conquest. He achieved authority of his name by conquest. Now, turn back. Uh, over to Hebrews, just a few pages to the right there. To Hebrews 2. You can just jot these, num these um, scriptures down and then go back later and just begin to meditate on them because you're going to see the, the uh, benefit of that as we go on here. Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same, 
that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now the word destroy there doesn't mean like annihilate or obliterate. It means to totally paralyze and to completely incapacitate. Jesus has totally paralyzed and completely incapacitated Satan. Jesus' conquest of, of Satan was in, in hell. Jesus went to hell and con took conquest over hell and Satan. Now, uh, turn over to the right uh, to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1, 18, and these are the words of Jesus. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Jesus took from Satan the keys of hell and and death. Do you realize Satan does not even have the keys to his own house anymore? He lost the keys to his own house. Now you can't be too powerful and, and overwhelming, can you, if you can't even hang on to your own keys of your house. Jesus took by great conquest the keys of hell and death from Satan. Now, Turn to Matthew 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we'll, we'll just start at 18. This is when Jesus, you know, asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some said John the Baptist and some Elijah, some Jeremiah. And, and he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock of revelation of who Jesus is, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shalt be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth, shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus took the keys of hell and death, and he gave us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys of the kingdom of heaven, the power to bind and loose. Now turn over to Luke. The power to bind and loose in Jesus' name. 
to be more specifically, Luke 11. This is when the religious people accused Jesus of casting out devils by the devil, you know, Beelzebub. And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus said, you know, if Satan's divided against himself, how shall his kingdoms stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. Verse 19, and if I be Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. Verse 20, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoils. Jesus not only took the keys of hell and death from Satan, he also took the armor in which Satan trusted. Jesus stripped him of the keys, the armor, and the authority that Adam had given him, and he took them back. And he's given them to us. Amen? Satan no longer has it. He no longer has the authority. He no longer has the power. He no longer has the keys even to his own house. Now, even though we are here and Satan is here, we have not been left here powerless against him. Jesus delegated his authority to us and gave us power of attorney to use his name. Now let's go uh, over to John. John 15. Now, John 15. These last chapters of John here is shortly before Jesus went to the cross. These are the last few hours on earth that Jesus was going to have with his disciples. He could have talked to them about a whole lot of things. But in these last few hours on earth, he gives them a word concerning his name. Only a few short hours from this time, the disciples would launch and continue the works that Jesus did. And that's exactly what he intended them to do. That's what we just read in Mark 16, where he said, go into all the world, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Now let's look at John 15, 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father, in my name he may give it you. This was when Jesus performs the legal act of giving the power of attorney to use his name. Now, in the natural, you may, you probably know what it means by power of attorney. 
If, if you uh, have ever had power of attorney over someone else, maybe a relative, uh, it, it, you know, there's a legal uh, transaction here that, that is made when, when somebody uh, is not capable of acting on their own behalf or, uh, uh, you know, they, they require someone else to transact business for them. There, there's a legal position called power of attorney that, that is invested upon uh, an individual, maybe a family member, uh, to, to represent and to do business on behalf of another family member. The power of attorney means the legal and written authority to transact business for another. The agent can act with all authority within the bounds of the legal authorization as much as the one who gave him this authority. When you have power of attorney to do business on behalf of someone else, it's just the same as if that person was there in the room making that decision, signing the check, or whatever. It's legally, it's exactly the same. And, and when, when you have a power of attorney to act on behalf of someone else, you can make decisions for them, you can make business decisions for them, you can write checks for them. It's just the same as if that person wrote that check and made that decision themselves. It's, it's legally binding. And this is what Jesus did when he gave his name to the body of Christ. He gave us the, the agency to act in his behalf and continue the works that he started here on the earth. So by giving us power of attorney, he fully expected believers, New Testament believers, to continue to do the works that he started. Now, uh, in my name, where he says, uh, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, it means by the authority of. By the authority of Jesus. So when you have power of attorney over someone else, you have the authority of Mrs. So-and-so. Or you have the authority of your father or your mother or your cousin or whoever. You have authority in their name to transact business in their name. And it's legally binding. Now turn back one chapter to John 14, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me... The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus was saying, because I go to my Father and will not be here to continue my works, or do greater works, I will give my power to my disciples to carry on where I stop. They will do the greater things that I would have done if I had continued. 
I will give them authority and see to it that my work is carried on through them. That's exactly what Jesus intended to happen when he left here, and he did not leave us powerless. He has given us the power in his name. Verse 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, look at, all the, look at all the times in these scriptures. In my name. In my name. You, you ought to underline that in your Bible. Everywhere you see, in my name. Basically, Jesus is saying the same thing over here uh, in these different chapters. He's, he's, you can see he's trying to drive this home because he's saying basically the same thing over and over. Now, the word ask... And verse 14 means to ask, to call for, or desire. In the Amplified Translation, it says, Yes, I will grant, I myself will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Now, Strong's Concordance also refers to uh, you to another Greek word here, which brings out another meaning for the word ask. The, the other meaning for the word ask implies a demand of something due. A demand of something due. So Jesus in verse 14, you could read that, if ye shall demand anything in my name, I will do it. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that you are to demand of God. We don't need to demand anything from God because God's not the one withholding any good thing from his children. So Jesus wasn't saying you demand anything of God. He was saying we make a demand or a command of Satan to stop his operations and resistance against us in the name of Jesus. In other words, if you exercise your authority as a believer on the earth and demand anything of the devil in my name, I will back you up. That's what Jesus was saying. When you make a faith command and you demand, make a demand of Satan, to stop. You make a demand of Satan to cease and desist his activity. I will back you up. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus was talking about using his name as a basis of authority to demand our rightful inheritance in Christ. And again, God's not the one holding, holding back anything good from us. The devil is the one trying to stop it. He's the one that's trying to steal our healing. He's the one that's trying to steal our money. He's the one that's trying to steal, uh, kill, and destroy. He's the one that we have to make a demand on. Jesus was saying, you are to make a demand that Satan cease and desist his operation and resistance against you in the name of Jesus. 
Now turn the page to John 16. And here he's basically restating the same promise word for word. You get the idea that Jesus is trying to drive a point home here before he, before he leaves? John 16, 23. Now I, I think actually all the Gospels record this, this same uh, delegation of power of attorney to the believer, but we're, we're looking at it in the book of John. John 16, 23. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Same words, same promise. Now at this time, the disciples were not born again. Uh, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he ascended to heaven. He sprinkled his blood on the heavenly mercy seat. God accepted his shed blood as payment for the sin of mankind. Then Jesus returned to earth. He appeared to his disciples. And, and then they were born again. And in John uh, 16, 23 in the Amplified, it says, And when that time comes, that the... King James Version says, and in that day. Well, what day is Jesus talking about? What time is he talking about? He's talking about the New Testament age. After Jesus would go to the cross, after his death, burial, and resurrection, when he had obtained eternal redemption for us and we could be born anew of God, after the day of Pentecost, that's the day he's talking about. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. You will need to ask me no questions. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you that my Father will grant you whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. So Jesus was saying, after the day of Pentecost, and you're born again, and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't have to pray to me to go ask the Father. You go straight to the Father in my name. You don't, you don't, when Jesus was on the earth, they just went personally to him. But when he, he says, when I'm gone, and, and after the day of Pentecost comes, you don't have to ask me anymore to go ask the Father on your behalf. You go straight to the Father. You don't have to... You don't have to get me to go to the Father. You know, there are some denominations, they, what, they pray to Mary and all different, you know. Why? Because they, Mary will go to Jesus and Jesus will go to God. Well, they don't know that they can go straight to the Father. Amen? So Jesus was saying, you can go straight to the Father in my name for whatever you, uh, whatever you need. Amen? You go straight to him in my name. So who is authorized to use the name of Jesus? All believers, how full, legal, redemptive, gospel, blood-bought, promised, and family rights to use the name of Jesus. But I'm going to kind of make a 
uh, an uh, addendum to this. A believer with the name of Jesus is limited in their power without the baptism and the Holy Spirit. Um, in the New Testament, we're going to be going to the book of Acts here in a few minutes. And in the New Testament, you read the book of Acts. Uh, it was a foregone conclusion that if you were born again, you were, you were all, also baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was no such thing as a born-again Christian who was not baptized in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. It was just a foregone conclusion. It, it didn't occur to them for it to be any other way. It was never considered that somebody would be born again and then go be told by their denomination that the baptism in the Holy Spirit wasn't for today. It, it never occurred to them that would happen. So that, that's a man-made modern doctrine that, oh, it's not for today. That never happened in the book of Acts. So as we go into the book of Acts, the norm was you were born again and you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's what Ann was saying earlier. Without, without the Holy Spirit, you, people just don't get it for, for one thing. And they're powerless Christians. They love God. They'll go to heaven when they die. You know, their name's written in the book of life but they will live a powerless, defeated life on this earth in the meantime. Now, uh, Jesus said, you shall receive what? Power. Power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, let's take a natural example of what, kind of what this is like. Let's say you got a policeman out here, Surrey Police, and he's got the authority to stop traffic when necessary. He can walk out into a junction. Let's say the traffic lights are broken. He has the authority to walk out into that junction and hold up his hand or, or say stop. And people will stop most of the time. Okay? <laughs> now, let's say you got an outlaw. And he sees that policeman out there in the road and he says, I don't have to stop for no policeman. I'm in a hurry. Who does he think he is? And he puts his uh, foot on the gas and he starts blasting through that junction at 50 miles an hour. That policeman has the authority to stop that car, but he doesn't have the power to physically stop that car. And if he doesn't get out of the way, that policeman's going to get plastered because he doesn't have the physical power to stop that car. Now, this describes a believer without the baptism and the Holy Spirit. But you take the same policeman with the same badge, the same uniform, the same authority, and now you put him in an army tank. And he drives that army tank out into that junction. What's happened? Power has come upon him. <laughs> power has come upon that policeman. He's now, he's now got the power of an army tank around him. He's operating in that kind of power. 
Now, when he says stop, or he holds his hand up, and that outlaw looks down the road there, and he thinks about gunning at 50 miles an hour through that junction, and I'll show him I don't have to stop if I don't want to. Now, that policeman has got that army tank aimed at that car, and he's going to blast him out of the highway. Now the policeman not only has the authority to stop him, he's got the power to stop that outlaw. Do you see the difference? That describes a believer baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, can you see why Satan has fought the baptism in the Holy Spirit for centuries? Of course. I mean, if you knew somebody was going to take a cannon and blow you apart, you, you'd try to stop them from ever getting the tank in the first place, wouldn't you? You'd try to stop them from getting the, getting the power. He's been losing ground every day since the day of Pentecost. So, of course, he's going to do everything he can to try to stop believers from getting this power because the power is over him. It's to his advantage to try to keep believers from getting the power. You think we would wake up and figure this out after a couple of thousand years? Now let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 3. We're going to look at faith in the name of Jesus. Acts 3. We're going to look at an account here of Peter and John making a demand or a command in the name of Jesus. Verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Now, these brand new, born again, spirit-filled believers in the book of Acts, they had virtually no revelation of anything else other than the name of Jesus. That's all, that's all really they knew anything about was the power in the name of Jesus. They could not turn to Ephesians. They could not turn to Philippians. They could not turn to Colossians and, and uh, First and Second Peter and all that. Why? They hadn't been written. None of those books had, the whole New Testament had not even been written. Those, those apostles, they couldn't turn and read anything else that you and I can, can read about uh, you know, our inheritance. All they knew anything about was the power in the name of Jesus. So verse 6. Then, uh, well, verse 4. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
rise up and walk. Peter did not pray for this man. He gave the faith command for this man to rise up and walk. And you notice the man didn't say, but don't you know I can't walk? <laughs> don't you know I can't get up? I mean, I've been sitting here for years and years. No, he didn't argue. He said, get up, and the man got up. Amen? Hallelujah. He gave the faith command in Jesus' name. And what did Jesus say over there in John? Whatever you demand in my name, I will back it up. That's exactly what happened. That This is the very first recording of it happening. Just a few hours later, after Jesus had said it, he exercised his rightful authority in Jesus' name. When Peter commanded in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, he wasn't demanding anything from God because God didn't make the man crippled. Satan made the man crippled. Peter demanded that the man rise up and walk in Jesus' name. He used the name of Jesus to set the crippled man free from the bondage of Satan. Now look at verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people. The people, you know, started praising God and they all started gathering around because they saw this miraculous uh, healing. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Now here the people are trying to give credit to Peter and John for this man's healing. And religious tradition, you know, will say that the apostles healed people. They had a, a special power from God to heal people because they walked with Jesus personally and Jesus gave them some special power to heal that nobody else had. That's what religious tradition teaches. And by making this claim, they use it to explain away healing for today. And they say that uh, the healing power of God was only available to the apostles and it passed away after the apostles died. Well, I want to know which apostle did, it, apostle did it pass away with? I mean, Jesus not only had the 12 original apostles, you know, he sent out 70 more to heal in his name. Plus all these people in the book of Acts that have now been born again and they're going out on the streets and they're preaching. So there were hundreds and, and possibly thousands of believers now uh, using the name of Jesus to, you know, to preach and to heal like Jesus expected them to continue doing. So can you see how, ri how ridiculous that assumption is? You know, the healing passed away with the apostles. Which one? When did it happen? I want a date. I want a time. I want a year. When, when did it happen? So Pe Peter is going to destroy that traditional claim right here. He, he says, you know, why do you look at us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? 
He says, no, this man didn't get up and walk because I'm an apostle or a special one or because I spent time with Jesus. In verse 16, he says, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong. Peter right here says, it wasn't us. It wasn't because I'm an apostle. It wasn't because I walked with Jesus. It's not because I have some kind of special power that nobody else has. It's by faith in his name that this man uh, has, is made strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness and the presence of you all. So, Peter said it's faith in the name of Jesus that made this man strong. Faith in the name released the power in the name. And as a result of this man's miraculous healing, it got the people's attention, and Peter preached to them, and 5,000 were saved. Now, in chapter 4, Peter and John get arrested. The religious people drag them in. And they start questioning them. And in verse 7, they say, these are the religious people, the scribes and priests and all this. You know, they've caused such a ruckus and an uproar here. They, they drag them in and they say, by what power or by what name have ye done this? Now, the religious people realized that they had not done this in their own name or their own power. And the religious people were saying, somebody more powerful than you has made a covenant with you and given you authority to use his name, and we want to know who it is. And in verse 8, Peter replies, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So the name of Jesus can do anything Jesus can do. That's what the power of attorney means. The name of Jesus can do anything Jesus can do. When you have power of attorney for somebody else, you can do anything they can do. You can walk into the bank. You can withdraw money out of their bank account. You can perform legal transactions on their behalf. Faith in the name of Jesus is faith in Jesus. Now, someone could make a list of promises to you, but if they didn't put their name under it, nobody would be bound to it and no one would be accountable. The entire word of God has been signed by the name of Jesus. Write this down, Revelation 19, 13. Revelation 19, 13. 
His name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. When you speak the name of Jesus in faith, you have just slammed in Satan's faith the entire Word of God. You have slammed in his face the entire Old Covenant. You have slammed in his face the entire New Covenant in one single name. And Satan has to bow his knee. With the name of Jesus, we become master over all principalities and powers. That not only means the bad angels and the demons, that also means the good angels. The good angels also bow to the name of Jesus. They're also subject to us when we use the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus has given his name to the body of Christ and we have the power of attorney to use it. We have at our disposal all the power behind that name. Now just think, just think in the natural. Take, the, take uh, the Queen of England or the name Rockefeller. What do those names, you know? What if you had power of attorney to use the name of the Queen of England? Do you think that would get you in some places? <laughs> what if you had power of attorney to use the name Rockefeller? You know, do you think uh, do you think you could get some things done? Yeah. yeah. Amen. You could get into some places and you could get some things done if you had access to the power in those names and you were their agent. And you could walk in a bank or you could walk in a lawyer's office or a company and you you were the Rockefeller's agent. You could get some things done. Now, I heard uh, uh, Brother Copeland talking about uh, Oral Roberts' oldest son. When he got out of the army, he tried to buy a car. <coughs> he was out on the West Coast or somewhere. And of course, you know, he didn't really have any money or credit or anything. And he walked into this car dealer and like they didn't want to know him. You know, they, they, they weren't interested because he didn't have any money or didn't qualify for credit or anything. So they said, well, we're, we're sorry, you know, can't give you a car. And so he, he walks out, goes down the street, and, and he's going down the street in a little place, and all of a sudden, hey. And he turns around, and he walks back, and he goes back in the dealership, and he says, would it make any difference if I told you Oral Roberts was my father? Yeah, come on in, sit down, we'll, we'll, would you, we'll sell you a car, what would you like? What's the difference? The power in the name, the power in the name. When they found out he was Oral Roberts' son, and Oral Roberts was backing him, and Oral Roberts was going to pay for the car, they were glad to sell him a car. Amen? Now we got the name 
of Jesus. But you can just see in the natural the power behind a name. Now, Peter said, such as I have, give I thee. What did he have? He had the name. He had the name of Jesus. Peter had a revelation that the name of Jesus was not in heaven. It was under earth. And it had been given to men, and it was equal to Jesus himself. So as far as those car people were concerned, Oral Roberts himself had walked in that car dealership saying, I'd like to buy a car. Because he was the one, you know, going to pay for it. So, uh, back before Jesus went to the cross and defeated Satan, when he sent out the 70, uh, they, they, they were not even born again or spirit-filled at that time. But they saw the name of Jesus work to some degree back then, before, even before Jesus went to the cross. Didn't they come back to Jesus and say, even the devils are subject to us in your name. That's before Jesus even went to the cross and defeated Satan. So the, 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 the disciples had already seen the name of Jesus work to some degree. But after Jesus went to the cross and defeated Satan right in front of his own demons, Satan's own staff members, his own demons watched while Jesus stripped him, defeated him, took the keys of hell and death off of him, stripped him of all power. And that's what it said in Colossians 2.15. He spoiled the principalities and powers that were ranged against us. And Jesus, you know, he grabbed Satan by the scruff of the neck and he paraded him around all of hell and said, look at your defeated leader. I have taken away the keys of hell and death. He has no more power. You are serving a powerless master. I have authority over him. I have authority, and I'm delegating that authority to my believers. And he paraded Satan's defeat in front of all, all powers and principalities. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only would devils be subject to his name, they would have to bow to his name because they were defeated in his name. Now Jesus was exalted and his name was above every name. Jesus won the war with the devil for us. Now turn to Acts 5. Acts 5. Uh, 28. Here they are. They're in trouble again with the religious people. And the religious people dragged them back in, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. The doctrine the apostles filled Jerusalem with was the power of the name of Jesus. That was the apostles' doctrine. That's all they knew, really. The power of the name of Jesus. The doctrine of the apostles was not a bunch of do's and don'ts. 
It wasn't whether women should wear makeup or not. It, it was the power in the name of Jesus. Faith in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, to be baptized in, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can't you just hear those religious people saying, you have filled this whole city with that faith stuff, and we don't want it here. That's what they were saying. You, have, you, are, you are bringing trouble on us. We don't want that faith stuff here. We don't want that name of Jesus here. They wouldn't have cared if they had prayed in the name of zombie zombie. Just don't use the name of Jesus. We don't want to hear it. You know, we don't want it in here. Shut it up. And, and, and they didn't shut it up. They kept preaching it, and that's why they got dragged back in here again. He said, didn't we tell you to stop teaching in the name of Jesus? You know, so that was the, the apostles' doctrine, was the power in the name of Jesus. Turn to Acts 16. <clears throat> Acts 16. Verse uh, 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain uh, by soothsaying. Now this was a girl possessed by an evil spirit. She was a medium that some men were using, like a, a palm reader, to, to tell people their future, to make money, uh, you know, and, and tell people something about their future through demonic power, like a palm reader or something like that to, would be today. Verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now what this evil spirit said through this girl was true. They were servants of the Most High God showing the way of salvation. But who wants a devil following you around testifying for you? You know? Uh, this, this girl had been following Paul around for days. Every service he had preached for day after day after day after day, this girl got up and said, These men are the most high God. They're showing you the way to salvation. You know the, those demonic voices, you know. And so what, what it was saying was true, but, uh, you know, Satan's ultimate purpose was to discredit the gospel by making people think that Paul and his team were doing miracles by the devil uh, because this demon-possessed girl was announcing it. And so people would conclude that the devil was doing the miracles and discount the gospel. And so after, after days of this, Peter finally got fed up with this thing interrupting his services. And in verse 18, it says... And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, 
I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And guess what? He came out. <laughs> it didn't say he did immediately, but within, within the hour, he came out. But when Paul cast out the demon in the name of Jesus, it proved he was of God and not the devil. Amen? Because he did it in the name of Jesus. They saw it wasn't demonic power. It wasn't the devil doing all this. It was the name of Jesus. And they, they saw that the name of Jesus had authority over devils. Jesus is known by other names in the Bible. Prince of Peace, the Anointed One, Counselor, Wonderful, King of Kings. But Jesus is the name that means deliverance and freedom. That name is the name that separates you from the authority of darkness and translates you into the kingdom of God. Turn the page to Acts 19. Acts 19. Now, um, we're going to look at verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priest, which did so. Now these sons of Sceva, these men were not born-again believers. They had only witnessed the power in the name of Jesus that Paul had used, and they were impressed by what they saw. They, they were dabbling in, on the dark side, you know, witchcraft and that kind of thing. But they were impressed by what they had seen and, and Paul and these others using the name of Jesus. So they thought, we'll try it. That looks good. Let's, we'll, we'll try that. So they tried it. And, and they said, we adjure you by, Paul, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's what they told the evil spirits. Come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And verse 15, the spirit answered back. We know who Jesus is and we know who Paul is. Who are you? Those demons knew the difference between somebody who personally knew Jesus. They knew the difference between somebody who knows who they are in Christ. They knew the difference between the authority that a believer has in the name of Jesus and someone who does not. Those demons, they know the difference. And they knew that these men did not, they were not followers of Jesus. They knew that they had not made Jesus the Lord of their life. Jesus was not their master, and they didn't have to obey them. And they didn't. One demon in a man beat up seven men. One demon beat up seven men, stripped them, and, and ran them off. 
They know the difference between someone who has faith in that name and someone who's just trying it. Now, verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts or witchcraft, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. These people, dealing in witchcraft, had seen Paul and others minister in the name of Jesus. They had seen evil spirits come out. They had seen Satan bow his knee to the believer. They had seen sickness and disease bow its knee to the believer. They realized their witchcraft had no power and that the power was in the name of Jesus. So what did they do? They dumped their witchcraft in favor of the name of Jesus. That's what happened here. So you must use the name of Jesus in faith. Otherwise, you will be ineffective and you won't get results. I heard the story about uh, some missionaries in Mexico and they were talking to another missionary and the wife was telling this other missionary about how some man had threatened her husband, you know, and uh, her husband said, there's power in the name of Jesus. And that man jumped on him and beat him up, just like, just like what happened here in Acts. They, they, he, beat, he, he beat the man up, and she said, that, well, that name of Jesus doesn't always work because my husband said, there's power in the name of Jesus, and that man just beat him up. And the other missionary said, well, I don't doubt it. I mean, that's no different from saying the grass is green and the sky is blue. You know, I, I could stand up here and I could, I could have a, a hair dryer in my hand and I could say, there's power in this hair dryer. But it ain't going to do me any good till I plug in the hair dryer, turn it on, and release the power in the hair dryer. That man didn't release the power in the name of Jesus. He just said there's power in it. And that, and that man said, so what? You know, and he jumped on him and beat him up. So, so you, you know, you've got to have faith in that name. You not only have to have the name, but you've got to know how to release the power in the name by giving the faith command. The missionary knew there was power in the name of Jesus. He just didn't know how to release the power and give the faith command to take authority over those evil spirits. Uh, I heard Brother Copeland tell about uh, some lady and her daughter got on a, some kind of public transport in New York City. I guess it was a subway. And they were on there. The doors opened, two guys got on, the doors closed, and it was Jesse James and his gang. And they started going around and they started robbing, taking money, jewelry, and everything off the people in that carriage. And they came up to that lady and they got, he got his arm up against her neck and held her neck up against the wall like that and started taking her diamond earrings 
off her ear, and the other one did the same to her daughter. And that lady said, in the name of Jesus, you give me back my earrings now. And he gave them back. He loosed that lady. He gave her earrings back. When that door opened, they were gone. Do you think anybody else in that carriage got their stuff back? No. They got stripped. Now, that's not the time to start practicing. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's not the time to start trying it. You gotta, you gotta, people, we got to, we need to be walking around with the name of Jesus on our tongue, you know, like a hair trigger. And I mean, the devil just tries to touch us, and it, we're gonna blow that tank right in his face. Amen? You, you, we got to be, we got to be walking uh, continually, knowing with the name of Jesus on our lips, knowing the power in that name, knowing how to release it. Have you ever noticed how unbelievers use the name of Jesus just like a slang word, you know, a byword, you know, Jesus? Did you see that? You know, why do they do that? Have you ever heard anybody say, Buddha, did you see that? Muhammad, did you see that? No, you never hear anybody say that. It's always Jesus. Why? Those other names are dead names of dead people. Jesus is alive. Even unbelievers know he's alive. Even unbelievers know there's power in that name. You never hear them use any other name. That's the name that causes devils to shake when they hear it. Uh, some of you probably know Lynn Mink, you know, that leads the praise and worship in Brother Copeland's Believers Conventions. I heard him say uh, he was driving down the road and he saw this car accident that happened right in front of him and he, you know, was first on the scene and got out of the car and he was running up there toward the car. And he said, I can guarantee you not one of those kids was calling out to Muhammad. Not one of those kids was calling out to Buddha. Not one of those kids was calling out to Confucius. They were calling out to Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. They know, even unbelievers know where the power is. When sickness or disease tries to attack your body, you can demand, in the name of Jesus, leave my body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cancer is a name. Arthritis is a name. Lack is a name. And they must bow their knee to the name of Jesus. You are the caretaker of your family, your property, your business. Don't accept sickness, lack, strife, or fear, and go around talking about your problems with others. Instead, say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, sickness leave my body, lack leave my bank account, strife leave my family, fear leave my mind. You are demanding something that's due you. You are due freedom from symptoms. You're due freedom from the forces of darkness attacking your life. 
And when you take authority over these by faith in the name of Jesus, they must go. And this is, you know, this is a difference between knowing what belongs to you, knowing what Jesus has done to Satan, knowing that he has given us this power of attorney to use his name. Uh, this is a difference between someone doing it and someone trying it. Someone trying it is going to think, well, what if I tell them to come out and they don't come out? That's what, that's what, somebody that's just trying it, that's the way they think. That person better stay home. <laughs> you know, that person better not be on the evangelism team, you know. <laughs> if they don't know that, that, that the demons are subject to them in the name of Jesus, they need to stay at home and, and do something else. Then you got to know, <clears throat> and that's why I said write these verses down. Meditate on them. Have faith in the name of Jesus. Get strong on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> know that you know that you know. We are not demanding anything of God. We are demanding that demon forces stop their operation against you. We take our place as a child of God with certain rights and privileges in Christ, and we exercise our spiritual authority over the devil. How? What have we just been talking about for an hour? In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. In his name, we tread on serpents and scorpions. God has done all about the devil in your life. He's going to do. He has given us the name. Can you see, can you see how we got the devil in the corner? Can you see how we've got the devil cornered and no way out? We've got him surrounded in a corner. There's no way out for him. We got the name. We got the word. We got the blood. We got the armor. His name is the word of God. When we speak the word of God, it's like flinging the whole old covenant, the whole new covenant, the whole thing right in Satan's faith face just in one word Jesus hallelujah build your faith in the name by meditating on the scriptures that tell you who you are in Christ and reveal the authority you have as a believer those scriptures will become a reality to you and you will begin to exercise your right to live in complete deliverance from the bondage of Satan in Jesus' name. Use the name of Jesus fearlessly and expect the power of God to work when Jesus said, whatever you demand in my name, I will do it. I will back you up. That's why we don't have to wonder. I wonder if it'll work. No, we know what Jesus said. We meditated on those scriptures. We know that we know that we know Jesus, we have power of attorney. He knows we're uh, out there continuing his works and transacting business on behalf of him. And he said it's the same as if he did it. It's the same as if Jesus did it. It's the same as if Jesus said it. 
And that's why the devils have to obey it. It's the same. When you and I speak the name of Jesus, it's the same as if Jesus himself said it. That's the name that defeated them. They know they have to bow to that name. They know they have to. So, case closed. They, they know the power in the name of Jesus. And actually, the devil knows more about the power in the name of Jesus than most Christians do. They, he, knows, he knows the power in that name because that's a name that stripped him and beat him up. It's a Christ, most Christians don't know what they got. But the devil, you know, uh, you remember those demons that, that several times Jesus walked up to them and they said, you know, they said, what do we have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Now, isn't it interesting that demons recognized who Jesus was and they recognized that he had authority over them as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that the religious people didn't have a clue who Jesus was? I mean, the, the devils, the demons knew who Jesus was, and the religious people didn't know who he was. Isn't that interesting? So I can assure you, the devils know the name of Jesus, and when we use it in faith, they have to obey. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Now let's stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just stand up and let's, let's just say the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You have delegated and given us on earth, your family on earth. There's not, a, there's not one family in heaven and another family on the earth. Ephesians 3 says, the family in heaven and earth has been given your name. We are the same family. You have given us your name. We have inherited your name just like uh, you inherited your name from God and you have passed your name on to us. And Father, we receive the power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And Lord, we know that whatever we demand of the devil in your name, you will see to it and you will back us up. You said whatever. You demand in my name, I will do it. Hallelujah. 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 Now I make a demand on Satan in the name of Jesus. You take your hands off God's people in this room. In the name of Jesus, you take your hands off their businesses. You take your hands off their bodies. You cease and desist your operation and your activity against the people of God in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, I receive it. Hallelujah. I receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Dear Lord Jesus, thank Hallelujah. you. Yes, we I lose. receive complete 
renewal of the bone in my skull that's been cut away. Yes. So mm. that my brain is protected at all times. Hallelujah. And I speak that that bone will grow now from this minute on yes. to completely yes, cover yes, my yes. brain. Amen. In Jesus' name. And I say to you, Satan, you don't interfere in that now in the name of Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. My flesh has got to come in line with the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Every knee shall bow. Every, every name that is named is subject to that name. Cancer is a name. Arthritis is a name. Lack is a name. Fear is a name. You will bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And I loose. Now, angels, you hearken to the voice of God's word. Now, good angels, sent to minister on behalf of us, uh, servants and sons of, of God. You've been ministering spirits. You've been sent to minister for us the heirs of salvation. I loose you in the name of Jesus. You go out and you gather up the money we need and you bring it into us in the name of Jesus. You go out and you bring the business in to these businesses in the name of Jesus. You go out and you bring people into these meetings in the name of Jesus. You go out and you bring customers to the business people in this room in the name of Jesus. You cause favor to come to them in the name of Jesus. You cause uh, unexpected gifts to come to them in the name of Jesus. You cause, uh, you cause uh, whatever they need to come. Uh, Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we loose you. We loose you to go out and you work behind the scenes and you fix whatever needs to be fixed. We declare the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and we're always in the right place at the right time. And you cause a help to come to these people and all of us that need help in different areas. You go out and you gather up these people and you bring them to us to help us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we expect every situation in this room to turn today in the name of Jesus. Jesus said he would back us up when we make a demand in his name. And we're making a demand in his name right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 I receive Hallelujah. that, Lord, and I thank you so much.